Sometimes one never really knows the moment in history that they're in until the moment has passed. But as Africans, it's hard not to notice that we sit at such a beautiful time where Africa is pretty much taking center stage. Most would describe it as being the official African renaissance. Fashion, music, film and the arts in general are documenting it well and pushing forward important conversations. One person who is key to this movement and a driver even more so when it comes to facilitating important conversations between Africans and Africans in the diaspora and Africans in Africa is Mrs. Koshi Mills, aka Queen of Wakanda. She's the executive producer of Diaspora Dialogues. She also launched International Woman of Power. She has more than a decade of work in Hollywood through managing her, her three sons, Kwame Botang, Kofi Sirobo, and Kwesi Blakey, a PR guru and just an all round media maven. She's undeniably definitely changing the African narrative and making the world look twice and think twice and dream twice when they think about Africa. Mrs. Koshi Mills, finally, welcome to Africa State of Mind. Hi, everyone. It's so good to talk to you guys. I'm so excited um, about everything that's going on. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. M- Mrs. Mills, I have to just ask something. I kind of get the sense that you're almost like the auntie or like the godmother of all of the a- all of the African um, Hollywood actors that are doing so well. And I get the feeling that people come to your house for like, for like jollof rice and all of that good stuff. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, everyone calls me Mama Koshi in the industry. It's so funny. It's like everyone, I just, it's, it's, a, it's humbling that people feel like they're safe with me. Mm-hmm. People feel like they can come to me and share whether it's good stuff, you know, in between stuff, anything where they need some counseling and wisdom. Um, it's, it's humbling that they see me as that person that they can come to. It's wonderful. That's amazing. And now, uh, Mrs. Mills, I did want to ask you, you know, most African parents are not really big on supporting their children going into the creative arts, but you are. And um, what is it about, you know, your sons and their talent that made you be like, okay, I'm not only going to support you, but I'm going to be, you know, the backbone to everything that you're doing? Well, you know, in the beginning, and I have to mention that, um, um, thank God for my husband, who, who is the backbone for the family, who holds us down as we embarked on this journey. Um, but it's it's so funny. I didn't see it like, oh, I think you guys should be in the industry. We just got discovered in the mall. And oh. as we went through the journey, I saw that they were actually really enjoying and loving doing this business. And so... Um, it was easy to encourage something that you see your kids enjoy. You know, it started off as a hobby um, along with everything else that they did. They played basketball, they did some music, you know, but this was the one that really stuck. So it was more about giving them options to try out different things. And then whichever one that they seemed more affiliated or had a better affinity for, I was like, okay, well, if this is what you want to do, I'll push you, you know, I'll help you as far as you can go. That's amazing. And now just also, um, you know, talking about, um, you know, because like right now sitting in the continent, you know, when we look from the outside in, it just kind of looks like the whole world. Like and when I say the whole world, let me say in Hollywood, there is a there's there's an actual interest in what's going on in Africa and with African talent and just even the African look. Do you find this to be something that's actually happening or is it just 
more of like a smoke and mirror situation? No, I definitely think there's an extra layer of excitement mm-hmm. about Africa right now. Um, I've seen it happening, and the shift started, I'd say, a couple years ago mm-hmm. when we started having prolific African talent on the red carpet at the Oscars, mm-hmm. at the Golden Globes, the Chiritel, David O., yes. and, um, you know, some of the wonderful women who have been a part of it. Um, and so I think I, I've seen the shift happening, but then, of course, with Black Panther mm-hmm. has become like a blow up in the door where everyone is now like, oh, we are kings and queens. And it's just why it's so important and why I supported my kids in this industry because the arts is so pervasive and it's the most powerful tool we have is media, Mm. you know? And so why would we preclude ourselves from that um, renaissance and that, that, um, that, that open space to share how beautiful we are as a people. Sure, I really love that. And I think it's it's also just important how you mention about how it has been happening and the shift has been evident, you know, in small steps. And now it's obviously like this huge wave um, that has taken over. Now, just with regards to your start in the industry, you started out, if I'm not mistaken, with a PR company. Yeah, actually, I was a registered nurse for 19 years. And as we went along the journey, um, the boys started booking big jobs, and I couldn't find YPR agencies to manage them properly. Mm. And so I started doing it myself, and then other people started asking me to do it for them. And that's how my business got started. Yeah. And and outside of your outside of your sons, how did you select talent that you wanted to represent? Because I know, you know, with every if it's a PR company or management, there's always um you know, everybody looks for something a little bit different. For you, what was the standout kind of feature when you looked for people to work with? I think the most important thing is people who have a vision for themselves, mm. people who have significant projects to promote Mm. um, because it's such a hugely competitive world out here in Los Angeles with an overflow of talent. I have to make sure that this talent is someone who can go far in terms of their projects and their continued success. Mm. All right. And then I wanted to talk a little bit also about diaspora dialogues. And just I think that this conversation is so important in general, you know, um, you know, but before I go into what my thoughts are around it, h- how did you birth the idea? What 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 birthed the idea? Because you're the creator and the executive producer for it. Yes. Well, you know, it's so funny. Um, people ask me this, and I tell them I have great faith in God, Jesus Christ, and so Amen. I just got a vision one day, yeah. and the vision was a part of me. I've always struggled with this idea that we're not the same, we're not equally the seen the same from the continent stance and from the American stance. And as black people, we have this cultural divide that I could never really understand. Like if I said to someone, oh, you're an African system. You know, I'm not from Africa. I'm from America. Wow. Oh, is that? for you, you know, and then you say to an African, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, African-American. They're like, no, I'm not African-American. I'm African. And so 
I experienced both of those things because I was born in Ghana. I went to high school in England, and I've basically been curated by, you know, America. Mm. And so I saw the divide. It was glaring. I mean, we have derogatory terms towards each other. What? I just recently even had, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of the word akata. That's something Africans use about African-Americans. And um, it's a derogatory term that they don't even understand. It means cotton picker. You know, I found out that's what it means. And I was devastated. I said, what is this? Why do we not have a commonality Mm -hmm. and a love for each other across the continent? So God just dropped in my spirit that we need to have a dialogue. And then I thought, well, it needs to be the diaspora dialogue Mm. because we need to connect Africa with its babies outside Mm. and re-push the idea that going back to the motherland is a must Mm. for the diaspora babies on this side Mm. to connect back home. And so um, it just dropped in my spirit one day and I said, you know what? I'm going to start asking people about these questions and see the reactions. And the reactions were so strong on both sides. Um, the Africans I spoke to were like, oh, we need to be worried about getting our continent together. We don't have time to be trying to cross any bridges. And then the Americans were like, well, what do I really have to connect with Africa? Well, all I see is poverty, disease. I don't want to go over there. I'm terrified. I might get Ebola. Like, propaganda really scares me. Like, I might get 401 scams. Um, 60 Minutes does all this stuff that tells me that I might get kidnapped. You know, so it's all these scary boogeyman stuff Mm. that's connected to Africa. And so I was like, okay. This is ridiculous. We as a unit, global citizens of the world, cannot think of each other in such negative ways. What is the perfect way to break this down? Every time you try to start a relationship, you have to have conversation. Mm. Great. So I'll be that mediator because I experienced it myself. I can be that person who really understands both sides equally and can be that person who creates healing. I believe that I've been put here to heal the gap. I was started off as a nurse, tactile healing, and now I'm doing articulation healing. Sure. You've actually, like, my my heart is a bit sore to a degree, but it's also, I feel, you know, I feel happy to know that you're actually working towards healing this relationship because obviously sitting on this side of the world, you know, we weren't aware of what the relationships were like between African-Americans versus black Americans and the cultural differences. Um, I'll bait a book that I read by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, who spoke a little bit in her book Americana about that, about being an African in America versus being an, an African-American to a degree. So what sort of role, what sort of role do you feel that, you know, media has played in the way that we see each other as, as black people. And in essentially we're all Africans at the end of the day, what sort of role do you think media has played with regards to that? narrative a huge role a huge role media is how we consume information Mm -hmm. that's why diaspora dialogue has to be as pervasive as the media that has said we're bad all around Mm -hmm. i really i'm so interested in making sure that we all get this information we all hear the conversations Mm -hmm. and we all understand that we have been bamboozled so that we can be disconnected and never really be powerful. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think with division, there's no unity, there's no power. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to create healing so that we just see ourselves as the human common entities that we are mm-hmm. and create a love and a bond for our global citizens as Africans. Mm, sure. And then another another huge part of it, I guess, is is kind of the aesthetic, you know. Um, and I think, I stand to be corrected, but I think in America, the aesthetic of what was defined as beautiful played a huge role because of, you know, of everything that happened with, with slavery, you know. So the closer you, uh, you were to your black or your Afro features, you were not seen as being beautiful versus the closer that you were to a Caucasian or European features, you were seen as being beautiful. Now, I say that to ask the question, because I was trying to remember the name of the model that you interviewed um the black barbie the beautiful beautiful yes yes talk talk to us about just Um, that conversation so we can give people a bit of a highlight about that conversation with her you know the funny um um not funny but the interesting thing is i look at cootie and i think wow perfect specimen Mm. of a human being in terms of everything beauty elegance grace all of those words come to my mind when I look at this 20-year-old young young lady. And to hear her story of how she was tortured for looking what she looks like, being who she is, and shaking the very core of who she valued herself as. Because we think, oh, you should know who you are. But no, when everything in the media is saying this isn't beautiful, you start to inherit those ideals, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it was, that conversation was so enlightening. It was so amazing. And um, I, I was just so really humbled that she could be so vulnerable with me mm-hmm. and really express to me all the different aspects of her life that created that entity of thinking that she wasn't beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's why my second episode is called What Does Beautiful Look Like? Nice. Sure, I really like that. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And will the, will it just be on? Is it going to be on YouTube or will, will it be um, shown around the world in different places? Because I did try to do a search. I'm working, all... I'm working on it to be shown around the world in nice. different places. Yeah. Um. I, I I believe that the audience needs to be as far and as wide as you know possible Mm. and that's my goal is to get it into the continent and Mm. also to make sure that it's seen here because i feel like i would be doing us a disservice if both sides didn't hear the conversation yeah definitely but mrs mills i'm very sure if god has given you the vision he's going to open up those doors definitely without a doubt thank you Um, thank you and now let's also talk about the importance of taking control of your own narrative you know um and i mean this from the perspective of because you're in executive producer and creator of um, Diaspora Dialogues, you know, but also from the perspective of if you're somebody in the creative field and just as a, as a person, like as a day-to-day person, how important is it to k- take control of your own narrative so that you are able to tell your story to everybody else? Supremely important. Mm. It's actually the crux of the matter. Mm. What has happened in the past is We have allowed other people to tell our stories the way they see it. And generally, it's been um, uh, a lens that doesn't necessarily, um, it's not necessarily organic to us Mm -hmm. in in a favorable way. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been depicted as so many things and yet not enough. Mm -hmm. 
things. Mm. So I think the key is to own your own narrative. And what I love, by the way, is the new wave, the new generation. Mm. They're unapologetic. They're taking their own lives in their hands. Mm. They're creators. They're, you know, they're influencers. And they're saying, hey, this is me. Take it or leave it. But I'm going somewhere with this. Mm. I love the new wave where everyone is um, owning their own story, whether it's through fashion, whether it's through, you know, film, whether it's through television, whether it's through journalism, we have started to see that owning our own stories is just as important as, you know, being who we are, because there's so many parts of us that's not depicted. Mm -hmm. And if we keep waiting on people to do it for us, they'll never be shown. So it's time that I feel this renaissance take over. I hope yes. uh, I've, I've lit a pilot light so that people can understand that, listen, if we want this to be talked about, we can create it. Yeah. And if we create it, it will be talked about. That's and if it's talked about, we can create the very steps that we want. Change, rebranding Africa, mm. you know? You know you know what actually did cross my mind when you were saying about how we are owning our stories and expressing ourselves through fashion? One thing that, I mean, there's a, always a huge debate um, within the continent about, um, you know, cultural appropriation versus misappropriation. But somebody who definitely, who's a global superstar, who's definitely just been... You know, she's she's played a really big role in terms of showcasing, shall I say, African dance and, you know, giving credit where it's due and also showcasing African fashion and everything is, is Beyonce. I remember at the Coachella, the first show, she did an entire tribute to Fela Kuti, you know, with the talking drums and everything, which was, you know, you could see the sampling coming in and then she had dancers that came in from Mozambique and she actually flew the dancers out and then the twin dancers she dances with are from Algeria, you know. Um, so it's. I think it's it's such a beautiful thing that people who have such influence are also looking to the continent for a lot of inspiration too. I think it's so beautiful, and and once again, I always say that our our uh, major entertainers are a platform and a sounding board for everything that we want to be expressed as or through. And so I love when I see that they use their platform to mm. highlight the things that are beautiful about us, mm. that are wonderful about us, that most people generally don't get to see. It was phenomenal that she would do that in a mostly Caucasian setting exactly. at Coachella. Yeah. I mean, she literally utilized her platform to educate people where the rhythm and the sounds originated. That is what I'm talking about, about how entertainers have some sort of um, responsibility yeah. to really, really utilize their platform to give people a new narrative about Africa yeah. and who we are. Okay. And then now, just before we let you go, you know, there are a lot of um, young Africans who will be listening, you know, and a lot of people, specifically when it comes to um, the Hollywood industry and music industry, may be thinking like, you know, if they, let, let me put it this way, if you have a dream and you're an African and you want to go and make movies or 